Hey sports fans, do you enjoy autographed memorabilia? Have you heard of sports breaks? Whether you're looking to add to the man cave, boosting up the she shed, or looking for a gift for that sports fan, you know, look no further. Fabled Sports Breaks is where to go to play in daily contests for a chance to win certified sports memorabilia for low prices. Whether it's the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, and now NASCAR, Fabled Sports Breaks has you covered. Today's stars and yesterday's legends from Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe DiMaggio, Pete Rose, James Harden, Connor McDavid, you name him, he's got him, and many more. For details, log on to Facebook and search Fabled Sports Breaks to join. Fabled Sports Breaks to join. All right, guys. Um, episode two. I'm so excited to to even have an episode two. <laughs> you know, um, over 90 of you guys listened to episode one. That alone is so cool to me. We're going to really, really break down a great show for you today. Lots of action, jam-packed episode, and hopefully uh, keep you guys coming back for more. So start off the NBA dunk contest. Aaron Gordon, um, in my opinion, was absolutely robbed. If you guys know about the dunk contest or whether you don't know about the dunk contest, it happens all-star weekend, usually on Saturday night. It's the last thing to go on after the three-point contest. And Aaron Gordon was in a couple years back against Zach Levine, put on an absolute show. Those two had dunk-offs for, I think they went into six total dunks. So they had the the first-round dunks, the second-round dunks, and then the the dunk-offs. I did feel like Aaron Gordon was robbed that weekend as well. But Zach Levine is a great dunker, and I mean, it's kind of hard to argue. They both had great days. This time, I just I couldn't see how the judges didn't give it to Aaron Gordon. So Aaron Gordon had a perfect score through his first four dunks, a total of 200. Through his first five dunks, total of 250. So again, a perfect score, each dunk being worth 50. And after five dunks, him and Derek Jones went into a dunk off because Derek Jones had a perfect score through the second round, which when it mattered... Derek Jones ends up getting the victory over Aaron Gordon, and I I just couldn't believe it. And you could tell Aaron Gordon couldn't believe it either. I, if you haven't seen it, go back and watch. Let me know your opinion. I just I can't I, I, at, watching it live versus rewatching it, knowing the outcome. It does change my mind a little bit because Derek Jones did have some really good dunks. Was really able to flush it with authority. Um, did a lot of things with his athleticism. But Aaron Gordon did just as many really great things. And in my opinion, had the very best dunk of the night. He had a 360 windmill, one-handed windmill jam off an alley-oop. It was just absolutely incredible. Um, Great dunk. Never seen it before in my life. And almost every dunk that Derrick Jones had done was original. But I had seen a variation before. Um, I just... It's hard to really go against Aaron Gordon on the second time. I just can't believe he has two of probably the top five or six dunks contests, dunk contest performances ever, and doesn't have a dunk contest title. Again, some of you guys don't, I mean, I don't care about that, but uh, I just wanted to bring it up because I do get uh, really get into All Star Weekend. Uh, continue with All Star Weekend, you have the All Star Game where teams are battling. In the fourth quarter, they did change up the rules this year where they were going to battle to 157 points. So after the fourth quarter starts, 
where each team each team had to win the quarter. But once the fourth quarter started, they they got to a, a point total, and it just really buckled down. You have ten of the best players in the entire world on the court at one time, playing elite level defense, taking charges, arguing calls, diving over loose balls, just real good stuff. Like nothing that I had seen in the past at an All-Star game. In late late in All-Star games, they do send, tend to buckle it down a little bit, or maybe they're not just throwing up loose lobs anymore, chucking half-court shots, but they're never competing at the level that we've seen on Sunday night. Uh, Kawhi Leonard did finish with the MVP, 30.7 rebounds. Great performance by him on Team LeBron, who got the W over Team Giannis. Uh, if you haven't seen the last... 10-ish minutes of that game, holy cow, you missed out. I feel bad for you. I mean, it was just absolutely great game. Uh, I do want to touch on this next topic that's kind of near and dear to my heart, um, Michigan basketball, who, as we are talking right now on the podcast, they're winning by seven points with under a minute to go at Rutgers in a very difficult Big Ten. Um the Big Ten has been extraordinary this year, but also questionably bad. I, it really just depends on what your take is. I just think it's so hard to play on the road in the Big Ten. Um, there's just so many good teams from top to bottom. And aside from maybe the ACC that's very good at just the top, the, you know, the top five-ish teams in the ACC, maybe six teams in the ACC are very good. The Big Ten probably has like gosh like almost eight to nine really good tournament level teams including Michigan who isn't even in the top 25 they're currently 16 and nine but they've been without Isaiah Livers um, for those of you who don't know Isaiah Livers is a junior small forward uh, was their league score when he went down he's played on and off over the last couple of weeks dealing with some hip and leg injuries they do have their senior point guard Isaiah Xavier Simpson they have their senior center, John Teske, who's actually struggling right now over these last couple of games. And they have a very talented freshman, Franz Wagner, who is Mo Wagner's brother. Uh, they could really beat any team. Any team. I'd take them one-on-one, fully healthy against any team straight up. I just think they're that good. This isn't me being biased. Michigan has become a, a powerhouse in basketball who can compete on national stages, get themselves to the Final Four, the Sweet 16 pretty consistently. Um, just a, definitely a team to look out for. And Isaiah Livers has been playing lately. He is out tonight. Um, I do think that he comes back soon. And Michigan is continuing to be a threat. Uh as of probably about 7 o'clock tonight, Adam Scheffler reported that the NFL playoffs are going to be moving to seven teams as long as the agreement gets done with the, the CBA. So there will be seven teams, both AFC and NFC. There will be the number one seed getting a bye. That is it. The two seed would have to play the seventh team. So you have... Not every year is the seventh team actually any good, but there are teams. Oh, one that sticks out to me: the 2008 Patriots went 11 and five with Matt Castle. They could have potentially made a run at the seventh seed. Uh, that is just one off the top of my head. I'm not trying to be uh, all biased with the Patriots or anything, but that 
But every every couple of years, you have a seventh seed that can compete and just barely misses the playoffs. So I do think that's kind of cool. Uh, other than that, the NFL is, in my opinion, one of the only conferences or leagues, I should say, one of the only leagues that it is any given Sunday. The worst team in the NFL can beat the best team in the NFL with the right game plan and the right matchups. It's just the NFL has has made them to be that way with the salary cap era and really the quarterback play over the last couple of years has actually been just better across the board. It's been better. Even on your bad teams, the quarterback play has been all, at least all right. So I want to move to the Daytona 500. Denny Hamlin takes home the third, his third Daytona 500, tying Jeff Gordon for three, uh, my favorite NASCAR driver. Um, crazy last 25 laps. Um, there was a big one with about 25 to go, which set up your ending sprint. Uh, so with about three or four to go, you have Denny Hamlin leading. And Ryan Blaney pushed Ryan Newman to the to the lead. They go through turns three. They go through team, turns four. They're coming to the tri-oval to the checkered flag. Ryan Blaney gets a run, tries to pass Newman. Newman throws a block. Ryan Blaney, Blaney proceeds to turn Ryan Newman into the outside barrier. Ryan smacks the wall pretty hard. Gets the car turned over, goes airborne, comes down on its roof. The car spins to the point where the driver's side window is facing oncoming traffic or oncoming racers. And another car drove right into Ryan's driver's side window. Uh, It did look very scary watching it live. With all the advancements, my initial watch, I didn't think... That he was going to be hurt. I didn't think it was going to be nearly as serious as it ended up being. But after watching the replay and watching it again and seeing it, it's just like, wow, how crazy. We really take NASCAR for granted in the sense of we just kind of assume that it's so safe now since the Dale Earnhardt Jr. or Dale Earnhardt death um, 19 years ago. And really, it's just even with the advancements, crazy things can happen. And, uh, Denny Hamlin ends up going on the outside and takes the win. Uh, crazy finish. If you haven't seen the last three laps, YouTube it. Um, if you have Twitter, go to NASCAR's Twitter account and just look it up. I'm sure it's on there. Just absolutely crazy stuff. Even if you watch the last 30 seconds of the sprint to the finish line, it was just a wild finish. And thankfully, tonight right around dinner time, about 5 or 6 o'clock, Ryan Newman left the hospital walking out with his kids. Great sight to see. Um, since I've been a kid, I've been a Jeff Gordon fan. My dad's always been a Ryan Newman fan. Uh, I was his favorite driver. Never changed on him, never picked another driver. Ryan's always been his favorite. So, like, I was rooting for Ryan. I really thought he had a shot to win, and then when he got turned, and scary stuff, really scary stuff. Um, obviously, with the, the Kobe situation lately, it just had me thinking, like, oh, God, I hope Ryan's okay. You know, I was getting pretty scared. Um, last week, I did – I want to recap this. So last week I did say that Jameis Winston had thrown just over 20 picks 
like Rivers. I do want to correct myself. Rivers or uh, Jameis Winston actually threw 30 interceptions. And I absolutely hate listening to podcasts or sports talk radio or sports analysts giving bad information. I don't want to be that person. So I do want to do want to correct myself there. Um, moving into the second segment, the XFL. Um, that is going to be a staple on our show for the next couple of weeks where we're talking about the XFL. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. A um, couple of things to talk about today. Week two attendance at the games was up 9.5%. So they did see an increase. More people are wanting to go to XFL games, which is really cool because I do like it. I think it's a fun league. Their ratings were down this weekend, but they did have to compete with NBA All-Star Weekend, both the skills dunk and three-point contest. They competed with the NBA All-Star Game. They competed with the Daytona 500 coverage up until it was rained out. They competed with... Gosh, I think there was another one on there on Saturday. Some college basketball. Yeah, it's just complete busy weekend of sports. And the XFL still got over 2 million viewers per per game. They also debuted their first XFL game, XFL game on FS1. Not everybody has FS1. So that actually got the lowest rating of all their games. But overall, still very successful. Vince McMahon looks like a genius right now as long as it stays the course and improves week by week. Speaking of improving week by week, my Vipers have not. <laughs> as I told you guys in episode one, the Vipers are the team that I kind of selected as my favorite team, and they're terrible. They're two weeks in. They're on their third QB. Their offense can't muster up any points. Uh, they just they haven't been able to really consistently move the ball and even when they do they cannot finish drives at all again three quarterbacks deep after two weeks it's just it's a bad sign for the team but one bright spot they're the number one pass defense and the number one total defense in the xfl so if they can get some qb play or maybe just really start to lean on the running game the vipers could actually be pretty good i i see them as the worst team this year Moving forward, we'll see, I guess, what time will tell. As far as the worst team, let's talk about the two best teams. And I, I, I haven't really got to the point where I'm going to crown somebody yet. But let's talk about the first one, the D.C. Defenders. Cardell Jones has been an absolute resurgence in the XFL. And I, we didn't really get to see him play in the NFL, so we really don't know what he was capable of doing. But through two games, he has... 235 touched 235 yards and two touchdowns and then his second game 276 yards and two touchdowns and a pick so he's got four touchdowns and over 500 yards in, in two games pretty good stuff dc defenders are a really good team and i can't see i mean i i, I can't see somebody beating them outside of maybe houston right now they're just they're playing really well they're they seem to be their play calling seems to be the best. They did successfully run the first double pass. And they just, they're using everything in the book right now, and they're, they're really clicking. Uh, Houston with P.J. Walker. We talked about him in the first episode. And he's had really the, the, the MVP so far through two weeks. You got seven total touchdowns. 
over 400 yards passing. He's been great. Um, just he seems like he's like a Russell Wilson or a Kyler Murray. He just he's shorter, but he's super elusive. Got the sidearm patching Mahone's throws going down. Uh, somebody to really watch moving forward is definitely P.J. Walker. I just think that he is – he's probably – him and Cardell Jones, they're going to be in the MVP race this year with the XFL, and they could potentially be on NFL rosters next year. Speaking of NFL rosters, people that can't go to NFL rosters are freshmen and sophomores in – in college but where they can go is the xfl so this week oliver luck the commissioner of the xfl spoke and said that the freshmen and sophomores of the ncaa will be eligible for the xfl so what that means is if you have a player you know has a pretty good freshman year whether that be a trevor lawrence a couple years back leonard Fournette, a couple years back we had javavian Clowney, basically nfl ready players after their freshman year if they wanted to, they could leave college and go to the XFL and play and get paid, you know, fifty to a hundred grand until they are ready for the NFL. Really, the amount of talent should be better. It it really can't hurt them. If you're if you get injured, it's better to get injured making a hundred grand than making nothing. I just I think this could be a huge thing for the XFL. And also for the college football, not necessarily a good thing for college football, but it's going to be a huge storyline going forward. It's really good for the XFL because if they can get a top-tier player that has some name variety, it only adds to their to their value of their of their brand and of their league. And gosh, could you imagine right now if Trevor Lawrence says, "I'm not going to play another down of football. I'm just going to play in the XFL." That would just be absolutely huge for the XFL. Again, kind of going back to the continuity thing that we talked about, but I don't know that the XFL is really worried about that right now. I think they're trying to establish themselves as a brand as well as getting more teams. I do think that we're going to see an add-on, maybe not next year, but definitely in two years, I think we're going to see at least four more teams added to have probably a 12-team league. Hopefully a 16. I think 16 is the right number. I don't think they need any more than 16, really. You just you're kind of depleting the talent pool. You're asking more and more players that aren't NFL. They're not NFL talent players to play. For, I don't know. It just I don't know that that's the best call. <clears throat> so we're gonna play a we're gonna play a new game on this show. It's called Invest or Pass. So I'm able to invest in one certain thing, or I can pass. And these are all gonna be semi short term going forward i'm not going to talk about you know investing in a 10 year thing or but i'm just going to talk short term so we're going to talk in the next 2 to 5 years whether i'd invest in this or if i just pass <clears throat> so we're going to start with the XFL should i invest in the XFL or pass on it do i think it'll be successful over the next 2 to 5 years i'm going to invest i'm going to take my money and put it in the XFL i really think that Vince McMahon has made something that's worth watching it's on credible networks with credible telecasting. And really, I just don't see too much bad about it, except there's just not enough talent right now. Maybe not talent's the word we're looking for. Maybe there's not enough name variety of players that you want to watch. You know, 
people tune in the NFL because they want to watch certain players. Same with the NBA. Same with MLB. You know, if, if I'm a Patriots guy, I'm going to watch the Patriots, but then I'm going to, I might turn on Houston to watch DeAndre Hopkins, or I might turn on the Panthers to watch Christian McCaffrey, you know, so on and so forth. There's just players that you like to watch. You know, growing up, I always liked Devin Hester of the Bears, so I always like to watch Bears games in case Devin Hester would return something. I just think that the XFL doesn't have that right now, and as soon as they do, they're going to be super valuable as of right now. I think they're fun just on the rules alone. Uh, Moving to the next one, Ja Morant or Zion Williamson. This has been a kind of a a hot topic over the last couple weeks since Zion's been back and has been ripping through the league. This one might shock you guys, but I'm actually going to invest in Ja Morant over Zion Williamson. And it's not that I wouldn't invest in Zion Williamson, but I'm making this where I have to choose between the two. Ja Morant is an absolute stud. His game transfers more into winning in this league than I think Zion's does, at least right away in the next two to five years. Though I do think, you know, in a seven, eight, nine-year plan, Zion could get a title playing second fiddle to a guard or a forward. And John Morant is a point guard with a small forward body, and those are the ones that really have the success in this league. Uh, Number three, we're going to go Dak Prescott, investor pass. I'm going to invest in Dak Prescott. I don't know that I'd pay him the $40 million. That's the rumored out there that the Dallas Cowboys should or shouldn't pay him. By invest, I say he's worth bringing to your team. And if you can get him in the $28 to $32 million range, I think that's a good a good value for your team. I do think Dak Prescott is a great leader. He has so many Big Ben qualities aside from the off-the-field issues. No shots at Steeler fans there. I'm just talking. But Dak Prescott just seems like he could be that next quarterback that gets you a ring or two and that you don't really expect. I think he's more Big Ben than he is Phillip Rivers. Let's just say that. Jameis Winston. Uh, I'm going to pass here. I think that Jameis is good, but I just wouldn't invest... I'm bottom tier starting quarterback money is over twenty million. I can get better quarterbacks for less. And I would pass on Jameis Winston. I think right now the Bucks are better off with a Teddy Bridgewater than they are Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston's really good, but you just need a really, really, really talented team to overcome what Jameis Winston does with the football when he's so careless. I think that the Bears would be better with Jameis Winston, but I don't think the Bucks are. I think the Bucks are ready to win now. They have the talent. We talked about that last week. Heck, if Tom Brady went there, they'd be a Super Bowl contender. They just really would. And that's not a me trying to build up Brady. It's just when you don't turn the ball over 30 times, you're going to be really good. Last but not least, this is a topic that I've kind of been keeping a close eye on over the last couple of years. <clears throat> LeBron James becoming the NBA All-Star, all-time scoring leader. Not All-Star, sorry. The all-time scoring leader. He's, he needs just under 4,700 points. So 4,700 points. He needs to average 22 points a game playing 82 games through the 2021-2022 season. Do I see him playing 80 games a year? 
or 82 games a year, I don't. I see him probably in the 75 to 80 range, unless there's an injury. But I also don't see him averaging 22 points. I see him averaging more. I see him in the 24 to 26 range. And I'm going to invest in this. I think LeBron James will retire the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. And if you really break down the list, the only person that's even in the discussion that's under 1,100 games played is Michael Jordan. LeBron actually has significantly less regular season games played than Kareem Abdul-Javar, and he is going to pass him. I just really believe that. Needing just 4,700 points. It's about two and a half seasons, so you got half of this year and then two more four seasons. Towards the end of the 2021-2022 season, I promise you it will be a major storyline. I do think that LeBron James does get it. He's, he's young enough, his body's conditioned enough, that even if he starts to tail off, I just see I see him getting it. Even if he has to play in one additional year, just to, you know that three-and-a-half-year period, he does want to play with the Sun, which I think that's a factor. Let's uh, let's just say now, LeBron James will be the NBA all-time scoring leader. Just the fact of the matter is, when? <clears throat> when will that come? Uh, I want to do a couple of fantasy trades over the next couple of weeks. I'm going to break down a division every week. And this week, we're going to break down the NFC South. And I want to give you a fantasy trade or a free agent signing that will put this team over the hump or at least make them significantly better. Uh, The Saints. The New Orleans Saints. They are the most complete team in that division, so this one's going to be the toughest. Let's say, in my opinion, what they're what they're lacking right now is a running between the tackles back. They had it with Mark Ingram. They lost Mark Ingram to the Raiders. Not the Raiders, sorry. My apologies. The Ravens. I think that with a between the tackles back, then you have Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara coming through with the draw plays, the screen plays, the outside the between the, the outside the tackles runs, the catching. You you become a more better team. And that's what the Saints were two years ago. That player that's available, I think Melvin Gordon should be fairly affordable. I think he did hurt himself with his contract situation. And I think the Saints could probably offer him something. Devontae Freeman's a little better between the tackles. I don't know that he's the best fit there, but they could really, really change some things up between the Devontae Freeman and Alvin Kamara if they were to sign Freeman, who's been released from the Falcons. This would take a major haul, but I don't think it's crazy. I really don't. Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers are selling off everything. Uh, they... they I think Cam Newton's pretty much good as gone. Greg Olson's gone. They've had retirements with Luke Keekley. I'm telling you, you put a small package together, I, a couple of first-round picks, I think you could pry Christian McCaffrey, which would be wild. 
if you're really trying to get Drew Brees a ring before he retires and you're trying to throw the farm out, I don't think it's out of the question. Uh, The Panthers, definitely a rebuild team. But let's say they weren't going to rebuild. Let's say they're like, you know, let's get our guy now and I think we can contend. I think Derek Carr could potentially be available with the Raiders. And even if you did a straight-up trade, Cam Newton for for Derek Carr and, and John Gruden can get one year out of Cam and see if he wants to use him or not. I I don't think that's too wild. I think the Panthers could potentially just decide, hey, we're gonna we're gonna mail it in and and completely rebuild, which is personally what I think they're gonna do and try to tank for Trevor Lawrence. The Falcons, uh Melvin Gordon's a good fit there between the tackles back. Um Again, I don't think it's crazy, but maybe they, they try and get Christian McCaffrey. Uh, between the tackles back would really do the Falcons good. They could also use several defensive pieces. Uh, there's a lot of guys around the league. Not going to really spend too much time. Their defense is pretty bad. The Buccaneers. There's two guys that I think could easily be traded for that would make the Bucks a playoff team today and I'm not even going to use Tom Brady in here if the Tampa Bay Bucks acquired Matt Stafford or Derek Carr I believe would easily be a top seven team in the NFC and make the playoffs next year mark my words if they acquire a halfway decent quarterback they could potentially Save some money by getting a Teddy Bridgewater, though I don't think Teddy Bridgewater fits their offense because they have two vertical receivers. Derek Carr, Matt Stafford can both go deep, throw it into into really deep covered situations. Stafford especially did a lot with Calvin. He could definitely throw it up to Mike Evans all day long. I just think that a Matt Stafford or Derek Carr is that's definitely the the move if I were those teams. So that's all we're going to break down as far as that that division. Um, I do want to start doing one of those per week and break down my fantasy trades going into the next NFL season. Fantasy trades or signings, whatever we're, uh, we're looking at. You know, obviously we have the draft coming up soon. And that alone with free agency is going to really shake some things up. It's going to give us lots of things to discuss on here. And uh, I think that we have great material coming to you. Um, thank you so much for tuning in again. I've been trying to keep these first couple episodes to a drive's length in the 30 to 40 minute range. The first episode, just under 33 minutes. This one's going to be roughly about the same. Uh, I do want to start getting into the 40 minute mark. But one thing I want to do is I want to hear from you guys. So... Find me on Facebook, uh, Jeff Johnson, Jeffrey Johnson. Uh, most of you guys know me and probably do have me on Facebook at this point. But if we have some new listeners that, that do not know me, find me there. You can also find me on Twitter. It's at jjohnson55515. Um, tweet at me. Ask me your questions. I would love to hear a lot of topics, what you're thinking about the XFL, what you're thinking about the podcast, where you think Tom Brady might land, you know, give me your take on John Morant, Zion Williamson, 
Let me know what you think about LeBron James being the all-time leading scorer in the next few years. And tell me your team that you wish to hear more about. I have heard a lot of suggestions. I have a lot of Steeler fans that are friends with me that have been asking about Steeler stuff. Um, I'm sure most people listening to this are either Buckeye fans or Browns fans because you know I live in Ohio and most of my listeners right now are living in Ohio. We'll we'll touch on those as those stories become more relevant towards the season, especially Buckeye football. I don't watch too much Buckeyes outside of just their football team in in the fall when Michigan's not on, but we will discuss them. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for your support. You guys have been absolutely incredible through these first two episodes. And we're going to look forward to talking some more sports with you guys. So thanks again for listening. Have a good one. Take care. See you in episode three.